0: Okay, we're all in take
1: five. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Austin, Texas Sports, The Horn.
2: Austin's only morning sports conversation on a local level is right here on The Horn. We bring it to you live, local, and digital, 1019 FM, AM 1260. And if you're sitting in traffic, streaming on hornfm.com, traffic is a mess. Unfortunately, we had a fatality. It's like an auto-pedestrian situation on I-35 headed towards 51st Street, 2222 exit. And uh, these auto-pedestrian things never turn out good. But it's usually somebody trying to cross the freeway. Mm -hmm. And That's right there near Capitol Plaza. She's yeah. Louise. Uh, be careful be, out there. Please be that careful. happened before the sun came up and it's going to be a problem all morning. It's first day of classes at UT, which is um,
1: you know, even more cars on the road. It was, was crazy it? down there. I was moved my brother in on Saturday or Friday. How was
2: that? I saw where Jay Hartzel they're having a pop-up popsicle party today at uh, lunchtime down, down Pop-up
1: popsicle party. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's music. Well, it's it's first enough. day of school. Yeah. They had an event last night. It's good. But I I actually saw um, a bunch of the a bunch of workers, maintenance workers, and bartenders that I that I knew very well. In my time down there, they, they remember were like, you. They're like, where, "Where where you been?" I'm like, <laughs> "No." I, I, it took me a lot of time, but I graduated. So man, like, I was like, been? take take care of my brother, though. Where he you was, been, you're Like, no know, know him from Cheers. He still yeah. remember Ty <laughs> around there.
0: Ty, what's going on? What's yeah, my, mom, my
1: mom was like, did, how do you know these people? And I was like, ah, you know. Yeah. So, so, That's so, so why it took me six and a half years good. to get through school, you know, Mom? Exactly. <laughs> I
2: had knew a, all these These are all my friends.
1: Had a good time. I was hanging had out with these time. people,
2: not the tutors. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's how that goes.
0: Hey, life's about networking. They were tutoring me in life. They were tutoring me in life. Exactly. You learn networking, man. That's a big part of it.
2: Good luck to younger brother and all of the uh, new students that are starting I think my daughter starts her first day of class today up at uh, North Texas of her final semester which is pretty exciting so uh, yes all of you good luck and the parents that are dealing with it had to do that whole drop-off thing because last week was like first day of kindergarten
0: that's emotional for
1: that's emotional
2: you'll get there Rod you'll get there because you had your your first baby shower over the week
0: yeah that's yeah that was an experience it was fun
1: I'm going through the process of applying for a master's program for next semester, dang, Ty. Look at you on the advanced, oh, growing and then up. Then I could affa- officially be a this long guy? one. That's a good go. Play. Look there at you Ty. Go. All right, look at that, man. See, master's in business. No, it's com- some kind of communications program. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that deep into the process yet. Hey, it we're don't matter.
0: There. higher education that's all that yeah, counts,
1: brother. Yeah. All right, well, never stop right. learning.
2: Having fun with you, talking about uh, hurricanes and uh. <laughs> That's Fire. a thing now.
0: Merriam-Webster <laughs> tweeted out the term. They were like, "Earthquake." We might have to add that to our uh, Webster's dictionaries. I was like,
2: man. We also have a lot on the Longhorns, including that big scrimmage they had back on Saturday morning. Get some details and some intel on uh, what came out from that. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian will meet the media this morning to give his thoughts. This is going to be an important media availability. Lots of questions asked. Think about it. Uh, they're
0: going to want to know who won the, the backup quarterback job. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of talk about.
2: Who's going to be the backup? The
0: backup we know Quinn's the starter, but well, Arch has been trending.
2: If it was a depth chart defining scrimmage, and you know, 120, 130 plays, and then Sunday, I'm assuming was spent watching the film and you know, yep. picking through it. So yeah, I mean, uh, let's the define job? let's define the depth chart.
0: Who won the job? We know, unfortunately, you know, you're gonna knock on wood. Uh, hopefully, um, Quinn Ewers is one of those quarterbacks, those rare occurrences in Texas recent Texas football history where he starts and finishes every game, sure. but that is usually the exception and not the rule. Um, since 1999, I think only six times a quarterback started every game and finished every game for Texas. So it's not likely to happen again this year. You're going to need that backup to help go win you a game or two. And So this it's an, an important competition, whether it it's is. going to be Arch or Malik. And, and the- also I think that will determine if it's if it's Arch. I mean, that's – I'm not saying Malik's going immediately leave because he had that opportunity and didn't. But if it is Arch, he might start looking elsewhere for a better opportunity. It might. Well, it might come third to his team,
2: mind. Um, you know, behind a behind banning, the freshman. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, that that is. You're right. This is a. You know, it's not one of those press conferences. Just an availability. So he will be asked about that. And the other position battles corner. Corner's um, going to be a big one too. Linebacker David Benda. Uh, some folks I talked to said David Benda did show up and continues to be assignment sound okay. uh, for the Longhorns at linebacker next to Jalen Ford. They're liking that. Anthony Hill continues to make plays as a freshman. It's it's pretty clear that three freshmen, are gonna much like we saw with Kelvin Banks and Xavier Worthy in previous years, are going to be maybe three freshmen who have impact on this season. C.J. Baxter at running back, Anthony Hill at linebacker, and Agreed. Malik Muhammad. Manny Muhammad's going to see the field this year, Rod. I mean, no he, no doubt. They he, love him. We'll get into it behind Burns Curry, but he's been making plays. And he's, he's – what, he force a fumble again? He's, he's one of those balls. another fumble. Box, he's a havoc player, man. Havoc-wreaking player. And then, uh, you know, I, I talked to somebody over the weekend that was there on Saturday morning who was there last year for this very same scrimmage mm-hmm. and said with his own – I mean, Quinn Ewers is light years better than he was. I mean, he, last year he wasn't sure if Quinn Ewers was better than Hudson Card. Remember, he was battling Hudson Card and the question was – I don't know. I mean, maybe it's Hudson. Right and, now, yeah, exactly. Uh, obviously, Hudson Card's now at Purdue, but that same person said, "No, nah, no, nah. I mean, Quinn's got control of this offense, and he, he, he's you know the defense may have gotten a better day, which we'll talk about the burn orange curtain, but but Quinn continues to be day to day a really solid player for Texas, and uh, you know uh, Xavier Worthy had a big game along with A. D. Mitchell.
0: So. I just think his I don't know, so it's, his job is easier, but. Because there are so many weapons now on offense, I think there are more solutions. To solve the problems that you have within the offense last year, the you know, the, the solution was simple. It was an open book test. Put some Bijan on it with a side of Rojo. Now, the so I think the answers to the tests will be a little bit different for Sark and for Quinn Ewers. But the beauty of it is you have a ton of weapons in the passing game, and you have a veteran O line with a infusion of young upside talent in that O line too. And, yeah, really the only question mark about the offense should be the running game and the state of it. But Quinn is familiarity with the offense. He's going to be more comfortable with the personnel. He knows the personnel. Think about last year. He didn't know the personnel either. No. He didn't Brand know. new. He was brand new to all of it, personnel, scheme, system, all that kind of stuff. Hell, the university, all of it. He was new to everything here. Um, And now you just have someone I think that's going to be more comfortable within the offense, comfortable with his role as a leader. Remember last year? His role wasn't to be a leader, but he's a natural leadership position. That can be awkward. Now he is the unquestioned leader at that leadership position, and he knows his offense, and he knows the personnel. I think that all is going to help him take a huge leap
2: forward. And don't forget, it wasn't just – a young, which you could call a freshman or redshirt freshman quarterback, making his first you know, you know, know, plays in college football. was two, two offensive linemen up front that were freshmen and a young O-line yeah. uh, that was coming along and learning the same system and learning each other. And uh, they did have Rojo and Bichon, but at the same time, this year, more weapons and just more comfortable. I think mean, that's where the offense is going to be. Uh, and I, that's why I keep going back to coaching continuity, the coaching staff the same. The message has been the same on both sides of the ball for now three years and I think that's starting to show that we feel pretty comfortable with where we are. Hey, let's get to the other headlines. Trending topics to start this uh, busy, busy morning uh, this Monday. Good, bad, and ugly. (laughs) Top Gun Equipment Rentals bring you the news. Yeah, we'll have more on the Longhorn scrimmage coming up. NFL over the weekend. Cowboys 0-2 in the preseason. Uh, Hardly matters. They lost in Seattle 22-14, but Uh, The majority of their starters didn't play again, much like in game one, but they did lose former Longhorn to Marvion Overshone for the season. Caught his foot in the turf on a seemingly routine tackle on the flat. Suffered a torn left ACL. Unfortunately, he will have surgery. Also, reserve tight end John Stevens has also had a strong camp for them in that tight end position. Also suffered a season-ending injury. Dallas will close the preseason this Saturday against the Vegas Raiders. Uh, In baseball, we talked about the Astros, Rangers, and Mariners now involved. Astros and Rangers both get swept this weekend. Uh, Rangers by the Milwaukee Brewers. Astros by the Seattle Mariners, who have now made it. Uh, A three-team race in the AL West. How about the streaking Round Rock Express? They've won 12 consecutive games now. Won yesterday in Sugar Land. The record for their franchise came back in 2004 when they won 13 in a row. They could break that record Tuesday night or at least tie the record. And they're back at Dell Diamond to host Salt Lake City. Uh, in golf, back nine for the ages for Victor Hoblin yesterday outside Chicago. It was the BMW Championship final round. 25 year old Hoblin delivered the best round of his career to storm right past Scotty Scheffler and Matthew Fitzpatrick and win the second leg of the FedEx Cup playoff. After shooting a solid 233 on the front, Hovland birdies seven of the nine holes he played in the back nine, added a couple of pars, and comes home in 28. Cards a new course record, nine under 61 to get the victory there. Scheffler posted a final round 66, but a costly bogey at uh, bogey three putt on 17 really hurt. Uh, in soccer, Austin FC returned to the pitch last night in St. Louis following their month-long layoff and. It didn't look like they got much rest. They got steamrolled by the top team in the Western Conference, St. Louis FC. The expansion franchise beat them 6-3. to They take the three points there. They stretch their lead over LAFC to seven points now. If you missed it on Saturday, the incredible Lionel Messi did it again, scored his 10th goal in seven matches since coming to the MLS. Helped lead Inter-Miami to the League's Cup Championship with a thrilling 10-9 win over Nashville in penalties. They had to go goalie on goalie at the end of the penalty kicks to settle that. And uh, we began the weekend with some very sad news back on Friday. Official word from the university that uh, Bill Little, university's longtime and legendary athletics department and sports information director, passed away from natural cause at the age of 81. Little, whose name adorns the press boxes at both Daryl K. Royal, Texas Memorial Stadium, and Dishwalk Field, is survived by his wife Kim and three children and ten grandchildren. A UT graduate, Bill Little was the one-time editor of the Daily Texan and then worked in the Media Relations Department of Texas from 1968 until his retirement in 2014. He will forever be remembered as a Longhorn legend.
1: People have often asked me what I would like to be remembered as, and my answer is pretty simple. I tell them that on my
0: tombstone. I don't want it to say that I never made a mistake. I'd like it to say he meant well. And so shall it be for our legend, our Longhorn legend tonight.
1: I'm Bill Little. Poor yeah. headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rettles and Lawn Equipment. Top Guns join forces with the legendary Austin Outdoor Power to give you the best lines of outdoor power equipment and fastest repair turnaround times in town. TopGun.net will shoot you straight.
0: And yes, uh, thoughts and prayers and deepest condolences to uh, the Little family and all those who obviously are really close to Bill Little. I think we all felt close to Bill Little <laughs> after all the years and all of the uh, the great stories he told. He was an excellent storyteller, very skilled storyteller. And uh, what I love about him is that he's just... Yeah, really the expansive knowledge <laughs> that, that he had. And there wasn't a greater historian in Texas Longhorn sports history than uh, Bill Little. So uh, we were all better uh, for having known Bill and being around Bill and his love and devotion to Texas sports and to the brand. Um, very few, I think have committed and devoted uh, themselves to the brand um, as, as much as Bill Little did.
2: Yes, I mean,
0: that's just the truth. We talk about service. We always salute those who are who uh, really have basically have committed themselves, devoted themselves to service in any capacity—God, country, community. Um, that he was a a man that devoted him, himself and uh, to to the service of the brand
2: of Texas. That's well said. I mean, he went to school there, was the editor of the school newspaper or sports page of the yep. school newspaper, and then um, came back in 1968 and never left until his retirement. In 2014, and uh, you know, the you know the impact was felt when you just looked at social media and saw the uh, the condolences pouring in from Mac Brown and uh, just so many and mo- a lot of people in our industry in the media because Bill we Little was our resource yeah. for <laughs> yeah. you know make sure we got things correct and yeah. well, if you're writing a story or telling a story, Bill was the guy to call. And I thought uh, our friend Mike Finger, who is the the columnist for San Antonio Express News, said it well that odd, but when I heard the news of Bill Little, I felt like I needed to. Reach out to Bill Little to be able to write the story right. Yeah,
0: to get right, to get context about something of this magnitude, right? Yeah. yeah. Who, who am I going
2: to call now? Well, John Bianco is still there, and he had a great tribute to. John Bianco's great. On, on social media and Mac Brown and so many others. But uh, the great Bill Little. And, you know, since we have five hours every morning, five hours, uh, five days a week here on Ian Rodby, uh, we have some of those. That, that little piece of that little vignette we played at the end of the update was Bill talking was cool. about Daryl Royal. He was mm. not talking about himself there. He was doing a tribute to Bill Royal, Daryl Royal, because he would do those Longhorn legends in pregame shows before the football games, and they were always kind of muscular. And two and a half, three, three minutes really was, Uh, and it just told the story of Texas athletics and Texas football. And um, gosh, he wrote nine books or co-authored nine books about almost all about Texas, and uh, just a you know a wonderful guy and. Great resource at the University of Texas for a long, long time. And you, you knew him as a player. That's not, not something I, I did.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I, I loved Bill. I knew him as a player and obviously a member of the media too. And uh, he was always, a re- you know, guys know I love doing research and going down rabbit holes about Texas and going back, looking through the records. Uh, and whether I had an issue of uh, just not necessarily, because I didn't live it, not having enough context or perspective on a topic or a player, or I needed some stats because, uh, you know, the, the website didn't go, prior to 1960 with this dad or that I, he literally is somebody I would you know reach out to or try to reach out to and Bill always would point me in the right direction. he was great, great um, you know kind of elocutionary talent if you will and uh, he really will be, he'll be missed. But we're celebrating his life because the positive impact that Bill Little had on the program and with so many Longhorn fans and so many people in this industry, uh, you know, that that's really the goal, right? You want to make sure you have a positive impact on as many people as possible. We'll all have this day one day. Uh, we'll have to say goodbye to our loved ones, but uh, you're celebrated when you have made people's lives better, and Bill Little definitely did that.
2: He did. He did, man. uh, tra- uh charted and staffed a record 521 straight football games at one point. 521 in a row. That's wild. (laughs) Uh, And it wasn't just at the game. He was the voice of uh, the the, the PA voice for a decade at Texas football games, so Mm -hmm. you'll know his voice very well. And if you're a Longhorn baseball fan, and I know our friend Craig Way put out a very nice tribute to his friend.
0: he and Craig were really uh, close.
2: Bill Little broadcast more than 1,700 Texas baseball games because at its core, Bill Little was a baseball fan. Loved the game of baseball. Loved broadcasting baseball games on the radio, and did a really, really good job of it. Um, because he's a historian, you know. There, there's, a, there's a there's a there's a romance and a history to baseball. Right? Yes, and, and baseball yep. games and play by play. Yeah, and Bill, all the
0: great sports historians seem like they would draw into baseball. Oh, yeah. or came from it. Yeah,
2: yeah. There's a romance to it, but yeah. at the same time, he he was there for all three national championships to coach Royals two, Mac Brown's one, and obviously the near misses as well. But uh, Bill Little, eighty one. Hey, Austin a Longhorn legend
0: now himself after celebrating no all the question. Longhorn legends. So,
2: and we'll hear one of those full full vignettes before we get out of here today for sure. So lock it in. We'll play probably his that that the one you just heard from was from Daryl Lore. That was Royale. a good
0: one. I remember that one actually. He's had a lot. I mean, a lot of they had a James Street one that was really good oh, about James Street. Um,
2: he's I mean they're all fantastic. You just get
0: so much wisdom and knowledge.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, so we'll get more on Bill Little. Also, more on the Longhorn scrimmage at the bottom of the hour behind the burn orange curtain. What we can glean and in the intel from the, the, as you said, Rod, the depth chart defining scrimmage. If we keep calling it that, Sark going to put out a depth chart. I would imagine it'll be out next week ahead yeah, of the for Rice the game, game. Game week. Because uh, game week will be here next Monday. But he'll be asked
0: about certain positions so, sure. at the media availability today. I guarantee you, backup QB, that's coming. Corner, field corner, that's coming. Off-ball linebacker, opposite Jalen Ford. We want to know who's going to win that job, and I want to know about defensive end, opposite Baron Sorrell. I haven't heard much about whether it's Justice Finkley or Ethan Burke. You know what I mean? Are they money ball in that position? You talk about Anthony Hill situationally. So i, I about four positions that I think he'll be asked about at the media availability directly. Who won that job? Who's going to be the starter there? And he may decide we're still looking at film. We're still deciding that that kind. Of, he may not reveal. Too much about the depth chart. Why would you, when you got Nick Saban listening? <laughs> well, speaking
2: of Nick Plotting. Saban. Speaking of Nick Saban, uh, how about this? This is so. So, if you're Steve Sarkeesian, this is an important week. Obviously, the depth chart. Your your training camp is essentially over. Players yep. are going back to school today. Yeah. Uh, are school you're now. In Game week mode. Yeah, now. and I think this is an important week you know, to install, but to start looking in Alabama. I mean, I you know, last year they had a great plan for Alabama.
0: Well, because GP was working on it yeah. all summer. Right,
2: <laughs> and you got to replicate That's that. And I'm why. sure they have been working on it all summer, but now's a good week yeah. once you – because here's what the Longhorns have done. They've gotten through training camp to this point with, I should say, I can say pretty relatively injury-free. There's not yes, a big injury. No, no
0: big-time injuries that are deci- decimate the roster somehow. Yeah, and
2: last yeah. year on one scrimmage you lost Isaiah Nayor and – who was the offensive lineman that got hurt? The the senior which made Forrest a freshman on the field. His name is escaping. He's transferred now to Utah. Who's by the uh, way number ten oh, in our countdown? Yes, I escaped um, me too. Uh, he's transferred, but hmm. he because he, he's going to get a seventh year in a medical. But uh, he was out. They both got Carriage, hurt in the
1: same. Carriage?
0: No, he was here for the sixth. Yeah, he's at Tennessee now. Big, big interior line. You. I'll get it for
2: you. Find that for him. But, but this year they have not, as far as we've been told, suffered a significant injury. That's huge. But the reason I say Alabama, how about this stat? Talk about facts of the day, Rod.
0: Okay.
2: Here's what you're dealing with when you go to Alabama. Because you can, most wins. Junior Angela? Junior Angelo. Junior Angelo. Junior Angelo. Thank yeah. you very much. Uh, both lost to knee yeah, injuries. Right, he was the starter, thing. too. Kind of like the Cowboys losing yeah. to Margo overshone and one of their reserve tight ends to season-ending, you yep. know, seemingly harmless in- injuries. Most wins against top 25 teams in the AP in the last decade. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't want to do it.
0: I don't want to go here.
2: Okay. Alabama has 53 mm. wins against top 25 teams in the AP. The next closest is Ohio State at 36, Georgia at 34. Wow. so that, Big number. That's a big, that's a big gap. It's number one and number two. Texas has 17, if you're counting, in the last yeah, decade. Yeah, but how
0: many big 12 teams have more than Texas? That's the problem
2: here. Uh, TCU,
0: mm-hmm.
2: TCU, Oklahoma State, uh-huh. and o- Oklahoma. Okay, who have that's, more.
0: that's not good.
2: Most wins against AP top twenty-five opponents in the last ten years. Alabama fifty-three. That's that's a that's a big number. That's like
0: uh, hey, a And M's got more than Texas.
2: And they're dominating a, the SEC West for ten years. A And M has won more than Texas in the last ten yeah. years. Yeah,
0: and that's like, like that's a tough that's the toughest division within any conference in college So they've been doing it the hard way. That 53 came the, the
2: hard way. Yeah, like five <laughs>
1: out of those six teams every year. Yeah. ranked Right, year.
2: that's five a year, obviously. More than five wins Something like a year. like that. Yeah. The, and you're playing in the SEC, so you play a lot of ranked teams. And then your SEC title
0: game, which yeah. would be yeah. –
2: and, and Alabama's always played that – Typically, under Nick Saban, it's played that non-con game at a neutral site. That team's almost always ranked in the preseason, whether it was USC it's or yeah. Oregon Ooh. Oregon that they've played and smashed. But um, – so Texas 17, but that's what you have to beat. You realize that going in. Mm-hmm. And you've talked about Sark giving this this team a schematic, schematic tactical advantage.
0: strategic advantage. You have
2: to. Well, this would be a big week when you start picking deep di- deep diving on Alabama. Uh, you know, what are you going with? What are you going to cuz you you're not taking Rice lightly, as we learned from our good friend and legend Todd Dodge last week, respect your opponent mm-hmm. every week. You you've got to get prepared for Rice, but you no, know, that's next week. You can really zero in on game week. This could be a week where you start peeking at Alabama a little bit because you know how important that game is, how big that game could be to the to the catapult of the rest of your season. If you know your depth chart, you haven't suffered any big injuries, you don't have any you know blind spots that you feel like you have to, to shore up. Get to work on that game plan.
0: Yeah, I was actually. Um... <laughs> Jerry Hamilton that we have on all time, and Jerry's great. Um, he was asked uh, what will be better for recruiting Texas winning the Big Twelve or Texas beating Alabama, and he said beating Bama. Oh gosh. Because he said, like nationally, it would it would have such a, a well, huge kind about... of domino or butterfly effect that you'd probably get guys just jumping on board then. Winning the Big Twelve title is big, but think of TC, you didn't even win it last year. No. K State won it last year. People just assume national oh, TC won. No, they didn't win it. It's K-State. So I, he might be right about that in terms of the impact nationally it would have on the psyche of young teenage
2: recruits. Well, think about it. Well, <laughs> gosh, two years ago, A&M beat Alabama but lost four other games. Exactly, Yeah, but we remember. But, well, who had the number one recruiting <laughs> class the next year?
0: Exactly. There you go. It's a great point. Yeah. So I, I I was shocked to hear it, but when I thought it through, I was like, actually, well, I think he makes a good point. And we want the conference championship. The fans want the conference championship. But if you're talking about just recruiting young you know, oh. teenage prospects coming up. That that B- went over Bama and Nick Saban, <sighs>
2: yeah, I mean, that's check
0: and mate. And, 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 and,
2: a, and now the lead team is Georgia. Right, Georgia is the team that no one can beat. Yeah, um, but uh, and Bama slid a little bit last year with two losses. And look, they could have lost the A&M game last year if they and m would have executed at the goal line. Uh, Texas had them beat, uh, so Alabama was in jeopardy of you know four losses to potentially last year. They they survived two of those. Um, there were a couple other close calls mm-hmm. for Bama. So, you know, has it slid back, or is this going to be Nick Saban fixing those issues with new offensive and defensive coordinators and all that? All right, we'll pick this up. We go behind the burn orange curtain coming up. Yes, sir. And, and, Rod, you mentioned Jerry Hamilton and Inside Texas. You've got uh, some things you're doing with that group, which we're excited to tell folks about. We'll also get to some uh, off-the-record topics before the end of the hour. Netflix, Netflix has announced a new sports-themed Series which Uh not announced, but the trailer is out for the new series. It begins this week. They're going deep into sports now. I see because they're they're working. Yeah, Uh, I'll get you details (laughs) on that. And off the record, I think uh, all fans of this show and college football fans will be wanting to check that out. Details to come. But first, we go behind the burnt orange curtain on the other side of a quick timeout.
1: Aaron Hogan, Rod Papers, Austin, Texas, Sports, The Horn.
2: Indeed. We are Austin's only local sports conversation. Five hours every morning, every day here on the Horn. However, you find us, we appreciate you doing it and uh, looking forward to it. 12 days to the start of the college football season. We also have uh, games to come this weekend, Rod, if you love college football. Oh, yes, yeah, time. It is time. It is time. Also, high week school football, zero. And zero week in high school football. Mm-hmm. So that's cranking up as well. And yeah, it's here. It's still hot. I mean, we're still breaking records for triple-digit temperatures. And we haven't, uh, as I was watching what was happening out in Southern California and into Vegas, and I'm thinking, man, can we get some of that hurricane? <laughs> can we get some of that rain?
0: Oh, man, what's the last time it rained around here?
1: I can't oh, remember. I mean, it's been. it's,
0: it's probably been like 40-some days. Or it's, been got, it's been a bit. Now, like there is
2: rain in the forecast tomorrow, Rod. That's
0: yeah, good. We need now, it. Now, it's Come supposed
1: on. to be
2: 104.
1: I'm cool with that. But there could be a cloud or two. Cloud or
2: two,
0: so we could get a little some drizzle, a little mist, yeah, a
2: little
1: humidity is really what it's gonna be. Yeah,
0: exactly, it'll evaporate for us to ground.
2: <laughs> all right, some good, bad, and uglies on a Monday. Uh, we'll we, we do it with uh, the recap. What was good for you, what was bad for you, and ugly over the weekend. Good. Rod got a bunch of diapers in shower, oh, which yeah. was awesome.
0: Stocked up at the crib. I got to
2: go out and hang out at uh, Camp Longhorn. He wasn't a camper, <laughs> but he was. He knows the owner, so that's a cool weekend. That's to get a to
1: really cool when weekend. When the camp is not with any, any kids. They have a pretty nice lazy river that I was in. No was, I, I'm pretty sunburned all over my body. So I love this. Mm-hmm. I love this.
2: Uh, also, on the good side, we mentioned Victor Hovland. What a performance. I mean, I'm a golf fan, Rod. And at the turn, because right here at 830 is at the turn of our oh, yeah. show. We've uh, got two and a half hours in the books. We've got two and a half hours to go. And coincidentally, a lot of times a, a golf round is five hours long. If you're playing with four people, it'll take about five hours. Five hours. Yeah, that's long.
0: That's too long for me. It going. is too
2: long for me. I like to keep it closer to yeah, four. Yeah. But between four it's and five is the number.
0: But I understand what the – it's – it's, it's a lot more going on than just golfing, so I get it. Oh, yeah. Come on, man.
2: <laughs> like, like, yeah, so I get it. Yeah, I'm it's, like, yeah. it's, it's fraternal. You know? Yeah, I You're having it. a good time. I get it. But uh, here at 830 at the turn, it is uh, a new segment. We're going to do this to, to get some golf chatter in there. And Victor Hovland was unbelievable yesterday, uh, to say the least. I mean, what he did. And, and yes, Scotty Scheffler, he made a bogey at 17, which hurt him. Uh, he couldn't make a putt on 18, which would have helped, but it was probably too late by that point. Because and you know if you're Scotty Scheffler, you're like I shot 66. E leave me alone. I shot 66 on mm. Sunday. I'm good. <laughs> uh, Rory McElroy, I shot 66 on Sunday, but this dude Victor Hovland won for the ages with a final round 61. And think about this. He he was on every. There's there's a stack called greens and regulation, Rod. When you're on a, on the green on one shot on a par three, on the second shot on a par four, or on the yeah. third shot or, close, or lower on a par five, nine for nine greens and regulation on the back nine. Nine for nine, and the average approach. I mean, he had six birdies inside nine feet, so he wasn't just on the green. He was pin man. hunting the whole back nine. Yeah. He was like a laser. It was hey. like watching a video game. Yeah. Sometimes I watch my son play the Tiger Woods video game, and he would make like, everything's like right on the pin. He's on like the easiest settings. I'm like, oh, Come on, man. Come <laughs> that on, game's man. hard now. I know uh, Tiger Woods golf. Tiger Woods yeah. golf I used or to play whatever. That
0: back in, uh, when I was in college. Yeah?
2: Well, this is what this is what he looked back like. In the day. And Victor Hovland only eleven total putts on the back nine. 28 total shots, which was his score, and he wins with a 61. That was dumb. Uh, they're going to go to the tour championship this week up there at uh, outside Atlanta East Lake, and the FedEx Cup winner will be crowned uh, at that event. And uh, so they knocked down more people out of the pool this time. Yeah, or? yeah, they went from 70 to 50, and then this week it'll be the top 30. And I saw where Jordan Spieth, the lifetime Longhorn, made it by percentage points. He made a bogey at 18 mm. that almost cost him. There's a guy, Denny McCarthy, and Sepp Straka, and all these guys were right there. So every shot at the end was going to separate whether you made the top thirty or not. And Jordan Spieth did make it, which was pretty wow. cool. And
1: is it is it points over the the three tournaments, or is it just whoever wins the next one wins?
2: Yes, it's points over the three tournaments, and, but somebody wins each tournament and yeah. takes home that cash. Yeah. Okay. I got as you. the first prize. Yeah. And, and someone will win next week. But they may not, because remember, well, the way it's going to start next week is, is uh, this is, gets a little bit confusing, but they're trying to have a playoff to create drama here. You know, Scotty Scheffler is going to start this event at minus 10 on the rest of the field because he's acquired the most points okay. over the three and for the year. Victor Hovland will start at minus 8. Uh, Roy McIlroy, minus 7. John Rahm, minus 6. Lucas Glover, minus 5. And then you've got a bunch of dudes at minus 4 and on down. So you start with an advantage. That's your advantage to start the tournament. And then there will be one winner. So, essentially, Scotty Shuffler starts with a 10-stroke lead. Okay. But just a two-stroke lead over Hovland.
1: Mm. This has been the only tournament that's been like this. Though,
2: yes, right? this is the Tour Championship. But this is the weighted way that they make performance leading up to the championship count. So, Scotty starts with a 10-stroke lead on the rest of the field. But, I mean, everybody has got a couple strokes to start with. Hovland yeah. has just two back. More R- Rory's just three back. They're trying, Ra- yes. trying to create some drama. Yes.
0: they're trying to create some drama. Yes. Yeah.
2: And it's, so, it's And it, it, it gets difficult if you have someone, if you start it all even, somebody would win the tournament and someone would win the FedEx Cup. That mm. could be different. Okay. So trying, oh, try, yes. Does I that got make you. Sense? It could
0: be different, but it could be the same. Yeah, you're winning
2: person. this four round tournament, yeah. but you know, the points would have given us. So you're giving out two trophies. They want to make it just more one people trophy. can win. That's also yes. what they want. More people yes. can
0: win, make more money that way. Yeah.
2: But I said it in bullish, your BS. I'm not, I'm not bullish on Scheffler, even with a two stroke lead to start it. He's just not putting. Um, his tee to green game is mm. Tiger Woods-esque.
0: I like he, big putts, and I cannot lie.
2: Yeah, he does not. <laughs> he does not. <laughs> he does not right now. <laughs> uh, so that was a part of the good of the weekend. Victor Hoblin won for the ages there on that back nine. Also on the bad side, Rod, in addition to the Astros and Rangers getting swept. go trolls. How about the uh, Austin FC? They had five weeks off almost. And
0: that's too much time.
2: And then they come out and they get tr- tr- trounced yeah. by St. Louis. I mean, they knew who they were playing for five weeks. <laughs> like you had five weeks Can't so you're say weeks didn't game plan <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> No, It was on the schedule. It wasn't like a tournament where you don't know, you know. They knew they were playing St. Louis, who's the best team in the West right now, in their first season. And they got 6-3. to three. That's bad. What's it's up more... with
1: expansion teams and MLS being really good in I don't the know what year. the key
2: is. I did watch some of that match because it was on Fox Sports net last night, and the crowd there was unbelievable. That crowd is, I mean, you think, I mean, as far as like Austin FC and the the the, the Verde fan club, they're unbelievable. Oh, yeah. This this crowd in St. Louis was rowdy. I mean, they were awesome. It was a great home field advantage, home pitch advantage. That was cool. But they, you know, six to three later, Austin is again taking a loss and they are not playing good. It's just kind of weird for me, Rod, that we'll have to get our, our soccer experts and Austin FC experts. Because remember, they brought in a new general manager essentially right Sporting in the middle director, of the year. what's his, uh, yeah. Rodolfo Burrell. Yep. And, you're, and then there's Josh Wolf. It just feels like, and they haven't won very much since then. And me- remember
0: that new guy came in. He said, we're basically, <laughs> the last, the first year was a, that second year was an
2: outlier.
1: Yeah. Getting lucky. Is He's what like, he said.
0: Yeah. He, like, yeah, they <laughs> we like, fortunate to win. Essentially, yeah, you guys shouldn't have been a team that's in a so conference wondered, championship, but you found your way there.
2: Yeah, that is that, that's a different, you know, mm-hmm. different, interesting merger right in the middle of the season. New, new voices, new eyes uh, that are now in charge. He's the boss. Yeah, Yes. Yeah, Right in the middle of the year. Uh, and they would have done that sooner, but, you know, Claudio Reyna and all of his controversy of yeah, last offseason. Yeah, they had some,
0: yeah, some issues to so deal with. So wasn't a great yeah.
2: offseason, and that may be leading to a season of discontent. They've had some injuries, like, too, to oh, start yeah. the
0: season to some of their star players. Oh, they yeah. didn't deal with that as much in the year, too.
2: On the good side of soccer, Alino Messi mm-hmm. was incredible. Uh, the 10th goal in his seventh match. Spain won the Women's World Cup for the first time ever, which was pretty cool. And uh, we'll get back into the NFL and the Longhorns, who were balling out over the weekend. 41 Longhorns trying to make NFL rosters. I remember that. Yeah, you were one That's of those. A hard life, man. And back when you were doing it, there was like, one well, event, Longhorns going into the NFL every Oh, year.
0: yeah, then, exactly. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: me being drafted in the fourth round, I was actually one of the later-drafted Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You,
2: you had to wait to get the call once your teammates were, were, were way ahead of you. Yeah. Uh, but that's an awesome event. So, yeah, we'll, we'll recap those coming up. Plus, we'll go off the record first behind the BOC. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind the
0: that curtain. All right, a lot of discussion among the Longhorn Nation about the second scrimmage for Texas, the, train, the second scrimmage of training camp, which was described by Sark as the depth chart scrimmage. So a lot of what uh, will be the uh, game uh, game day depth chart, he believes they're going to solidify that based on the performances of players in this last scrimmage. Uh, so everybody wants to know who stood out in the scrimmage. Well, When asked about who won the scrimmage, offense or defense, usually uh, that's something that uh, Sark likes to address. And I think the defense might have won the second scrimmage as well as the first scrimmage. Uh, The reports are, and we gathered up multiple reports, so shout-out to Inside Texas does a great job, of course. Shout-out to Horns 24-7 does a really good job. The Football Brainiacs got some stuff from those guys, too. Uh, Orange Bloods, a lot of great uh, different uh, entities covering Texas football. But uh, one of the reports said that they suffered – Two fumbles and two interceptions on the day for the offense, Ooh. which is good for the defense. This is one of those, is, is it glass half full or glass half empty? Yeah, so one we're of talking the focuses
2: about, has been turnovers. It has course, been. Right? They, and they havoc wreaked.
0: Yes, they've emphasized we need to take the football away. They had 14 takeaways as a defense in the first two years under Pete Kwiatkowski. You were ninth in the Big 12 last season in takeaways. But you actually tied K-State with the fewest giveaways. So in terms of turnover margin, if you can you know, be more opportunistic, you could end up being one of the better teams in turnover margin in the Big 12. I'll give you a real quick stat, and then we'll move on to give you more practice reports. There have been only five times, actually six in the last 20 years, five times in the last 17 years, where a Big 12 champion finished outside the top four in the conference in turnover margin. Texas was fifth last year. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's only happened six times in the last 20 years. So if you're going to win the Big 12, you're usually going to be top four in turnover margin. And seven times, the Big 12 champion has actually led the Big 12 in turnover margin, including last year with K-State. So Texas, they, this, is, this is why I think it's a good sign, um, E, that... We, we're hearing the the defense take the football away and being more opportunistic.
2: They're being more havoc minded defensively. Well, this is steel sharpening steel right now. The, the offense has to correct that. I mean, they do, but our offense, Texas offense, isn't right. A a
0: they don't they're not careless with the football. They're not a careless offense with the football. Last season, like I said, they tied K State with the fewest giveaways. So I think I would give more credit to the defense for emphasizing, as you pointed out, and taking the ball away. Than an offense that's, oh, man, one of their traits as an offense, one of their character traits is they're really careless and irresponsible with the football. That has not been the case with Sark's offenses, or at least not last season. It was not the case with Sark's offense. Actually, the first year, Casey Thompson, I think, led the Big 12 in interceptions. (laughs) Uh, But last season with Quinn, that was not really the case. So to me, I'm giving more props to the defense. They're just taking the ball away. And you're right, Sark has said because the scrimmages are usually – two games worth of plays, I believe it is. I think it's like 130 plays, something like that. Uh, that essentially you would have to look at it from that standpoint. So it's, if that's the case this time, they had two, four turnovers in two games. Right? Thing, that's how Sark's looking at it. He's like, man, I gave you – It was 130 plays, two games worth of plays, and we had four turnovers. That's two turnovers every game. That's not good. That's so I think that's good. Sark's looking at it from that standpoint.
2: Well, that's the good thing, right? The, the offense can, you know, if the defense is forcing that, their mission accomplished on that front. But now the offense has to uh, tighten the ship up. Because just because you were that good in, in turnover margin last year, right. doesn't mean you can't revert and have some bad years. And good point. guess who was carrying the ball last year? Bijan and Rojo. Uh, Bijan John and Rojo. Who moved, no- I think once each last season, right? Tech yeah. game, I think the K-State game for Rojo. I think that tech 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 overtime fumble from Bijan was like one of the only of his career. Yeah, you're right.
0: I don't even remember many for him at all. Yeah, that's a good point.
2: Well, <laughs> you know, I saw a highlight over the weekend. Remember, we all remember. It was horrifying because we were doing it during the COVID year when you and I were doing oh. in game broadcasts. And Bijan Robinson <laughs> almost paralyzed himself. Oh yeah, or the tech game against Tech.
0: Yeah, I remember this. And he and and he, he, and he jogged off the field. I know. We it were all looked, like, "What?" Looked like he was going to break like his neck. And like he would have snapped his the spine. Matrix. Yes, and he jogged off the Remember, Tom Herman. And he didn't fumble the ball that play. <laughs> That's
2: what I was pointing out. <laughs> his, 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 back, his neck went backwards.
0: Uh, remember, Tom Herman actually kept him out the next week. And not because he didn't pass uh, all the physicals and the protocols, Tom Herman literally was like just afraid he to play. Saw the video him. and said no. Yeah, like no, you don't play after a, you don't play after some type of injury like that. Even though he actually wasn't injured, he walked away from it. And I, I remember at the time, I'm not joking. I remember at the time starting to pray a little.
2: Yeah, because we were it looked well, that, that was COVID, bad. and so we were doing you I, and me I, and yes. uh, we were doing the watch the game with us thing. <laughs> yeah, and so we were sitting in our our man caves watching the game, talking football, which was a lot of fun. But at the same time, yeah, we were all like, oh my gosh.
0: I remember things, starting to pray like. God, please be with him, because I thought it was going to be bad.
2: And he got up and jogged away. And, it, I, and I believe he held on to the ball. If which... aliens
0: do indeed exist and they are walking among us like some people hypothesize, Bijan is definitely one of them, and yeah. that play proved it. That was, like, was his Men in Black moment where he wasn't supposed to reveal his alien <laughs> his alien status, and then he was like, "Oh, Bijan, how'd you yeah. do that? Oh, I'm okay. I didn't walk away. It's what's, okay. I'm fine." It's like, "No, you are not fine." <laughs> what's the Bruce
2: Willis movie Unbreakable? Right? Where he yeah, exactly. survives he's train one one wreck. <laughs> Everyone else is dead, and he's walking out.
0: Yeah, I the, the train crash. Love yeah. That. Uh, anyway, getting back to the frags reports. Uh, so let's start with the position that I think you know was one of the most important open competition was the field corner spot. All right, guys, I I didn't think Malik Muhammad was going to end up being a big part of this conversation. I thought it'd basically be a Terrence Brooks, Gavin Holmes conversation. Malik Muhammad in back-to-back scrimmages has, has forced turnovers. He's got three, I believe, in the two scrimmages. They played two of those are forced fumbles and one pick six, I believe. In that first scrimmage, Malik Muhammad has basically, he has forced the hand of the Coaches, they have to find a way to put him in the rotation and play him. He's because, the uh,
2: true freshman out of Dallas yes. South Oak Cliff.
0: I think they they call, yeah he calls him Manny. I think sometimes Sark calls him Manny. So maybe that's his thing. they call him Manny, but Malik Muhammad is that guy. Like he's and according to sources, he looks like he may end up being the third corner right now. The rotation behind Ryan Watts and Terrence Brooks. And remember, Sark believes that Terrence Brooks and Malik Muhammad can play both boundary and field. He said that at one of the media availabilities. So keep an eye out potentially for now. It is being a three-man competition, and if Ryan Watts is you know inconsistent or he's having an off performance, I wouldn't doubt if they decide they want to play these three corners and start rotating them with even a Ryan Watts just to get them some boundary experience too. Because remember last year when when Ryan Watts went down, it completely. Uh, deteriorated the structural integrity of that defense. Today, Barron had to go out there, remember, because they didn't really have an answer, another option, at that boundary corner spot. I think this year, without the interest, I think this year you could see them, just so they have a contingency plan, rotate some of those young guys at that boundary spot just to make sure they they have possible plan B if plan A doesn't work out.
2: Well, I think it's based on how they, they targeted recruiting. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian saw that. The, the, when they lost Isaiah Nayer, they were thin at receiver last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they lost key guys in the secondary, I was at the Oklahoma State game and they and Michael Taff was pressed into into duty in yes. that safety. They had to move Barron into corner. I mean they were they were taping things together. Scrambling. And it's like Sark said, you know, no, no, we're we're gonna go get Jalen Catalan. We already got good players. We're bringing in Gavin Holmes, Jalen Catalan. Uh, we're not gonna be thin at that spot. And if our young guys develop, we'll just have a lot of depth there. And the same at receiver. You know where they went yep. and got A.D. Mitchell. They got Isaiah Nair back. Uh, they recruited Jontae Cook, a five-star, and have said, okay, no, no, we're not getting – That's these are too important of a positions for us. Uh, we got exposed last year. We're going to try to prevent that this year with just numbers. Just, numbers yeah, are good Exactly. Players.
0: You're right. Just talented death, as my man Jeff Howe calls it. Uh, also, Alfred Collins, the report star, continues to look good.
2: I think it's time. He continues to impress. Can, I'm sure Sark will be asked this because he's talked glowingly of Alfred Collins, but I heard the same thing, that mm-hmm. he, he shows up, and so – If Sark's not clearly Sark Sark not just blowing smoke that Alfred Collins is bringing the consistency to go with the talent, and he's having an impact, you know, practice by practice and scrimmage by scrimmage. If that's true, because I think as we've said, the Longhorns have some foundational players that you just know are really good players. Mm -hmm. You know, Kelvin Kelvin Banks, Xavier Worthy, um, you know, uh, Javion Sanders. These are just really good players. Byron Murphy, uh, Jalen Ford. You can just count on these dudes. Uh, If Alfred Collins joins that group. Texas has a – their ceiling gets higher. I, I'm with you. I think every, everybody is on
0: board with it because we've been waiting on it. Yeah. We've been waiting on this Alfred Collins awakening for about three years now. And it seems like, the like you said, the practice reports are now lining up with what the coaches are also saying in the media availabilities. That could be – yeah, if you get a Byron Murphy and a Tavondre Sweat and now an Alfred Collins playing at a level where he can be a draftable NFL defensive lineman – that, to me, will have a kind of a, a, a positive butterfly effect throughout the entire defense. Because you'll have so – those guys will demand double teams. I mean, you're going to win game. the numbers advantage everywhere else yeah. because of that.
2: Hey, coming back, we're going off the record. There's behind the Burn orange curtain. Great stuff with RB as usual. Uh, in our off the record, Baker Mayfield and his wife are looking for a lot of bread, a lot of money that has gone <laughs> oh. missing. Yeah, this is a troubling story. <laughs> Also, the new Netflix sports documentary that's hitting your uh, Netflix this week that I'm pretty certain you're going to want to see.
0: DD. Mega doo I'm sorry, Mango. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out
2: Delhi Cat Essen. Well, I don't get, I get a day of break my and comb.
1: congratulations. Continue good sex in the big sex in the big east. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record.
2: Do it live! I can I'll write it and we'll do it live. And things sucks. Never sucks. sometimes. You know, it sucks if you're Baker Mayfield. This story is troubling, uh, Rod Babers. Yeah, I
0: saw this. Not hey, good.
2: Yeah, somebody texted us about it last week that yeah. had a little intel. But uh, Baker Mayfield and his wife Emily have petitioned a court here in Austin to begin depositions for a lawsuit against six companies, two of which were founded and run by his father, James Mayfield. This is not a lawsuit, but this is depositions that may lead to a lawsuit, essentially. Mayfield and his wife want those companies to turn over financial reports from 2018 to 2023 to figure out what happened to 12 million dollars they invested in those companies and uh, not sure where it's at. Mayfields don't know if their money has been properly and competently invested mm. or has been stolen, otherwise misappropriated or something in between. Wow. Never good, especially when it involves 12 million? 12 million. Especially when it involves family obviously <sighs> with the father and uh so that is on you know the the lawsuit I read a little bit mm. of it pretty not a lawsuit it is a they're it's a petition okay to begin the process they just need people under oath saying mm. where's this money where did it go yeah yeah and once Get that on happens it could lead to a lawsuit yeah but right now it but it, right it, now they they just it's a fact gathering yeah the, the okay. petition yeah. was a, <laughs> was not Acrimonious is, look, we need to figure out what the we money is. This is
0: fact-gathering. Like, hey, we should find out and where that, the money is. What's the trail?
2: Where's the trail? Yeah. Who are we talking to? And get people under oath Ooh, and, and answering questions. Million. And now, of million. course, Baker Mayfield's in really the only only quarterback battle in all of the NFL right now is he and Kyle Trask in Tampa uh, as far as for a starting position. Mm, you're um, right?
0: Good point. I'm trying to think of some more your ass. Right. Not many.
2: I think that's it. I think that's the only... Now that Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud in Houston, Brock Birdie been. is the guy in San Francisco. Yeah, we
0: called all of them already.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, so we'll keep an eye on that. Never like to see that with family and going, you know, that's a lot of money. And then now That's he's a battling for lot it. of money. 12 mil. What do you have for us and off the record, Rod?
0: Man, uh, I'm still buzzing from now And on. That one's crazy. <laughs> uh, all right, um, so here's a uh, crazy story. So Mark Cuban, uh, he's already a billionaire, so Mark Cuban's doing pretty well for himself. Uh, but he claims that he missed out on a chance to be um, even richer.
2: Uh-oh. Even He
0: missed out on more Rich billions. Rich guys can
2: always say that. That's
0: what he said. He claims uh, that basically he missed out on billions because he had an early opportunity to invest in Uber, and he <sighs> passed on it. The billionaire investor and entrepreneur talked about the deal that got away. Uh, he, he went on Kevin Hart's podcast saying he was offered the opportunity to put in some dough Early in the company in 2009, years before the ride-sharing uh, app took off, Mark says it was like it was a 250k investment of a uh, of a, at a 10 million valuation for the company, um, and he said I basically Mark 250k would have been worth 2.2 billion today.
2: Oh. Uh, he's already. Got, I don't feel bad for him. He's a billionaire though. He's good. Still stings a little. Yeah, oh wait, it go. a little. Anytime
0: you miss out on billions,
2: they gotta sting a little bit. Hey, hmm. uh, August the today is the twenty first, so tomorrow, Rod. Tomorrow on Netflix. The most they call it the most in-depth look at one of college football's most notorious teams. It's a new Netflix series called Swamp Kings, four part series on Urban Myers mm-hmm. dominant run at Gainesville with the University of Florida featuring Tim Tebow. Uh, Aaron Hernandez, of course, was on. we on those teams, and many more. It's a four-part Netflix series called Swamp Kings. This comes on the heels of the Johnny Manziel untold part. Uh, so, college football, a lot of interest. Obviously,
0: this will be better than the Johnny Manziel
2: thing. Agreed.
0: Just because of the, you know, the the contrast and the dichotomy of Tim Tebow, who is considered to be one of the biggest. And biggest stars and icons in college football history, led by his faith, right? Championed his faith and tried to live his life by certain principles. Unlike and, Johnny Manziel, and yeah, yeah, <laughs> but also on the same team with Aaron Hernandez and throwing to Aaron Hernandez on the same team in the same locker room, held probably even at times, you know, going out as a team together, and yet you got a serial killer hanging out with a guy who's you know led by his faith and passionate about. The Lord and about <laughs> the the message. It's that to me is probably the most interesting part of the whole. Well, and then the Urban Meyer part
2: of it too. Yes, How much did he pretty, know and not? Good know? point.
0: That's true too. Good point. Yeah, we
2: had a. Serial killer, serial killer on his team. No, didn't he didn't know anybody? that. That's no way he knew it was a serial.
0: <laughs> he probably knew he was kind of sick and demented. And a lot of football teams got sick and demented dudes on it. Crazy dudes. Listen, football is the reason a lot of these guys aren't in jail anyway. Yeah. So coaches know that, but he didn't know he had a serial killer on the team. Who could have? did he kill somebody while he was there?
2: Yeah. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah. I, think I think he. I think he shot somebody in the anymore. face. I think he shot somebody in the face too. Oh
0: man. Oh
2: uh, yeah. Unreal. That's gonna Unreal. be wild. Yeah.
0: How right. much of it would be just about Aaron Hernandez and Tim Tebow, I wonder.
2: Did you see, uh, and, and off the record, Taylor Swift went to a wedding this weekend. I Taylor saw that Swift, she
0: went to a restaurant. Addie,
2: Mac, Addie McDowell, the actress, has a daughter named Margaret. She married music producer Jack Antonoff. And so they had a big wedding on Long Beach Island. Taylor Swift went to the wedding, and then she went out to eat at a local place. Yeah, I saw that. And word got out that Taylor Swift was eating at this restaurant swarmed it and it was within 30 minutes they had to get crowd control it there was were thousands easily of thousands
0: of people there just to get a glimpse of her Yeah, how they quick, weren't even going to restaurants just no, get a glimpse
2: outside to see her come out
0: unbelievable Taylor like,
2: Swift yeah she's the biggest pop star in the world right now there ain't no doubt also you're not going to like this Rod in LA because of the that's hurricane. not real that can't be real there are sharks no, in the LA River no that cannot morning. be real No nope. sharks in the LA River I refuse to believe it there you go <laughs> uh, nope Sharks on the road. No. We're back.